the way the neurons communicate to each other is in terms of uh, action potentials or electrical signals. Um, this is what we call membrane potentials. Membrane potentials. Every cell, every cell of the body will have what we call a resting membrane potential. And what is that? It's actually determined by the amount of electrolytes, meaning sodium, potassium, calcium, that are distributed unequally in both sides of the cell membrane, so inside and outside. But the thing is, the neurons are a little different because the neurons are excitable. This word, excitable, The neurons are highly excitable. What it means that? It means that if a neuron is stimulated with little needle or changes in chemical substances around the cell, around the neuron, this neuron will respond and will change. It will change the resting membrane potential. The resting membrane potential is defined as a, as a value, as a number. And these neurons, when they are stimulated properly, they change that membrane potential. And a change in potential in electricity and physics, that's how we define electricity. That's how an electrical current starts. And this is the beginning of the message that the neurons will send. The, the neurons send messages in terms of small amounts of electricity flowing along the membrane. So all that we're gonna to develop today is based on this concept, how the neuron creates that difference in potential, change in the membrane potential, that will lead to a message, a message that is carried from cell to cell and until the effector organ, which is the muscle or the gland. By the way, this, um, this lecture is included in the midterm we have on Tuesday. So it will be chapters 9, 10, and 11 until the lecture today. Hopefully you have the study guide already. It's posted, so you can start, start studying from there. Basic principles of electricity. So we need to understand some basic principles to get the best of the, of the study of the neurophysiology. First of all, the charges. The concept that opposite charges attract to each other. Second principle is that if we want to keep opposite charges separated across the membrane. In other words, if we need, if we want to keep charges outside and inside the membrane at a determined level, we will need energy. Who provides that energy? ATPs, the molecules that, that carry energy. Energy is liberated or released when the charges move across the membrane. 
and that's potential energy that is released. Because when we separate the charges, like the ions in both sides of the membrane, we are storing energy, which we know is potential, potential energy. In physics, we study this concept when we talk about electricity, electrical current, and the concept that we use is voltage. Voltage is a number, we measure this with specific instruments, and it's a measurement of potential energy. Potential energy that is stored in some device, in some place, um, like the batteries. We have a battery, double A battery, or just D battery, depending on the size. Each one you will see, and you can read that on the label, are 1.5 volts. What that number means? That means the amount of energy that they store. The batteries will provide energy, as we know. And we can measure with that that a concept of voltage. Energy, potential energy is stored in the battery and we use it to use, make devices work. So in how, what is the principle of the battery? The battery, what it does is, what it has inside is a solution with electrolytes. Sodium, potassium, chloride, whichever they use, but they are electrolytes. Molecules that have a negative charge and a positive charge. And they are separated. They are separated, but if we measure the difference between each pole, as in the battery, we will get that number, 1.5 volts. And that's energy that is stored in different amounts in the different batteries, and that's a different concept, which is the, um, uh, how much that energy is gonna, is gonna last. This is a different concept. But the difference is this, uh, concept known as voltage. And we measure this in volts or in millivolts. It depends on how much we're talking about. In the case of the cells and in the neurons, we use in millivolts because the amount of electricity is very, very uh, few, very little. This is called potential difference. The difference that we find between both poles of the battery now, if we, make, if we connect these two poles of the battery, we make the electricity flow. And that's what the, the current is. So higher the number, what it means is the difference is larger. The concept of current, electrical current, is a flow. It's a flow of the electrical charge, the flow of the ions. When the battery, we connect both poles, and 
we just put the batteries on our phones or on our devices, we are actually connecting both poles to the machine and we make the electrons or substances flow and that flow provides energy that we use to activate our devices. And there's another concept called resistance. Is how easy that flow goes. And it depends on the type of conductor. If we use copper to connect both poles of the battery or, connect, or use other metal, uh, it depends how easy is going to allow the flow of electrons. And that's how we define two types of substances, an insulator and a conductor. Insulator, high resistance to the electricity. Conductor, low resistance to electricity. Remember this concept of when we study the neuron producing electricity and sending that electricity along the axon, where it will find some resistance. So all these concepts of physics about electricity apply to the neuron, to the microscopic and molecular level. This electricity is produced by the difference in the electrical charges. And what are the molecules that provide electrical charges in the cell? The electrolytes, ions. I'm talking about sodium, potassium, chloride, calcium. And the membrane of the cell, the membrane of the cell contains proteins that work as channels, membrane ion channels, like potassium ion channel. The potassium ion channel will allow only potassium to go through, specific for the ion. These channels may be of different types. One type is leakage channels. And these channels are always open in the membrane. They're always open and the substances just go through them following something, following the concentration gradient. Remember principle, a basic principle of diffusion is that the molecules will flow from an area of higher concentration to an area of lower concentration. The difference is called concentration gradient. Well, in this case, if we have the membrane, we have the cell, there are some ions inside the cell and some others outside the cell. Well, the ions will try to flow in or out depending on where there is more or less ions following the concentration gradient. But if I open the door, like an ion channel, a leakage that is always open, well, the molecules will flow following the concentration gradient. And the second type are cha channels that are gated. They have a door that sometimes are closed and sometimes are open. And how they open? Well, they, they will open, they open in response to stimulus. 
There are three types of uh, gated channels. First type is called chemically gated because it will be open in response to chemical stimulus. Voltage gated, they will open when the voltage change, when there is a difference, a uh, potential difference changes in the membrane. Or mechanically gated, three types. Mechanically gated, they open when the neuron is stimulated mechanically. Like the receptors on the skin, when we apply pressure to the skin, we are stimulated mechanically to the membrane of the cells. And mechanically gated channels may open and start the electricity. So chemically gated channels, they open only when there is some chemical stimulating the membrane. Like, example, a neurotransmitter. When a neuron releases a neurotransmitter and that neurotransmitter chemical stimulates the next neuron, will open chemically gated channels. Voltage gated. They open in response to changes in the membrane potential. And the mechanically gated they respond to physical deformation of the membrane, like in the sensory receptors. These are the three types of gated channels that the membrane of the neuron has. And this graph is showing an example of chemically gated, where we see that this protein works as a channel. It has a receptor for a neurotransmitter. The neurotransmitter the chemical is attaching to this receptor now, and we see how this channel will open will open, allowing sodium and potassium flow. And here initially, the sodium cannot enter. But now, when it's open, the sodium can flow, following the concentration gradient. In the case of the second example, voltage-gated channels, it is closed. But as soon as the membrane voltage, membrane potential changes, and the change can be seen here, look at this, outside the membrane, the charges are positive, and inside the membrane, the charges are negative. In the second graph, this changes. Outside is negative, and inside is positive. So that is a change in the membrane potential. When that happens, this channel will open. That's a voltage-gated channel. So as I was saying, when the gated channels open, the ions, sodium, potassium, they diffuse. Following concentration gradients from an area of higher concentration to an area of lower concentration. And also following 
electrical gradients, meaning that the positive is going, is going to flow toward the negative, and the negative is going to flow toward the positive. That is called electrochemical gradient. When we combine chemical concentration gradient and electrical gradient, we call that electric, electrochemical gradient. And that's the force that drives the movement of ions across the membrane. So resting membrane potential as I said at the beginning, is a number, we measure that with a number with special instruments at the cellular level. And in the neuron, this resting membrane potential equals approximately minus 70 millivolts. Why the negative side? The negative sign is because the inside of the membrane, so the side of the membrane, so the cytoplasm of the cell has a negative charge. And that's how we express this as minus 70 millivolts. Inside the cell is negative charge. And outside is uh, positively charged. Actually, this voltage, we use the average number minus 70, but it varies in between minus 40 and minus 90. So we have a cell, a membrane, a neuron membrane, with minus 70 millivolts, we said that membrane is polarized. It's polarized. Minus 70 millivolts, inside is negative, outside is positive. That's how we can figure this um, situation. We have a voltimeter and um, putting the instrument inside the cell, inside the cytoplasm, and we see that the measurement is minus 70 millivolts. And inside, inside the cytoplasm is negatively charged, and outside the cytoplasm is positively charged. Where are we measuring this? We measure this in the axon, but we measure, we can measure this in any point and anywhere in the cell membrane of the neuron. This cell is polarized. We can say this cell is polarized. It's minus 70 millivolts. In other words, it's in resting membrane potential. So that neuron is not sending any messages, nothing, it's just, we may say at rest. How this potential, arresting memory potential, is generated, we say, by differences in the composition of ICF and ECF. ICF, ECF, standing for intracellular fluid and extracellular fluid. So the difference of ions, sodium, potassium, outside and inside the membrane will determine this resting membrane potential. 
And the second factor is differences in the plasma membrane permeability. How permeable that membrane is. How well it allows the ions to go through. And by definition, we know that a cell has a semi-permeable membrane. Some things go through, some other things not go through. A selectively permeable uh, membrane. Now, what are those exactly, those differences? Those differences are, in the extracellular fluid, there is more sodium. There is more sodium than in the intracellular fluid. And in the intracellular fluid, ICF, there is more potassium. More potassium than the, e the ECF. Now, this is balanced because it's always the balance is necessary. In the case of the extracellular fluid, this is balanced by chloride ions, which are negative. And inside the cell, this is balanced by proteins that have a negative charge. But we may say from now that the movement of sodium, and especially potassium, plays the most important role in the generation of the membrane potential. That's why the potassium levels have to be well controlled and well managed. The solution that is called lethal solution that is used for um, lethal injections contains potassium chloride. Why potassium? Because we inject potassium to the circulation and we alter the levels of potassium in the systems and we alter the membrane potential of the neurons. We are intoxicating, we are not allowing the neurons to respond. Muscles, cardiac muscle, what, what comes next is cardiac arrest. And the nervous system completely blocked. So in this graph down here, we see the differences in terms of numbers. Look at the outside, the sodium is 140. And inside, the sodium is just 15. Compare with inside, potassium is 140. And outside, potassium is 5. So there's more potassium inside, and there's more sodium outside. And the differences in the plasma membrane permeability. First, the plasma membrane is, will not allow proteins to leave the cell. Those proteins are negatively charged. They remain inside the cell. They cannot move. They are inside. That's one of the reasons inside the cell is negative, because the presence of these proteins. Um, sodium diffuses into the cell following the concentration gradient. But the membrane is slightly permeable to sodium. There are leakage channels. Sodium is more and more amounts outside. There's less inside. Normally, logically, concentration gradient should 
drive the force, this would be the force and drive, driving force for the sodium to come into the, into the cell. But the membrane has channels that are not allowing sodium to come all the, in all the time. So that is the permeability of the membrane. And that's why the difference remains. There's more sodium outside always. But the membrane is 25 times more permeable to potassium than sodium. And potassium leaves the cell because there's more potassium inside than outside. So naturally, the potassium is leaving the cell. Chloride, the membrane is quite permeable to chloride, so it's not uh, a problem here. But notice the difference in permeability to sodium and potassium. This is, uh, the membrane is more permeable to potassium than sodium. So therefore, if potassium is more, uh, the membrane is more permeable to potassium, the potassium will diffuse out in more amounts. And as a consequence, the inside of the cell is more negative because potassium has positive charges. If we lose positive charges, the inside remains more negative. Plus, the effect of the proteins that have negative charge, and that's the reason why inside the cell is negative in resting membrane potential. And there's one more thing, the sodium-potassium pump, which is a protein, which is a protein located in the membrane that uses ATPs, it's also known as sodium-potassium ATPase, because this pump, what it does is to maintain the concentration gradients for sodium and potassium. There always is more sodium outside than inside, even though channels will, leave, will allow sodium to come in. The sodium-potassium pump removes the extra sodium that is coming in and pushes it out in order to keep the concentration gradient. And for that, energy is required. It's like having 100 people outside trying to get inside pushing the door. And they cannot come in because we push from inside. We know that they're trying to get in, but we are keeping the door there and not letting them in. That's what the potassium, sodium potassium pump does all the time. It keeps the concentration gradient. And there's a reason for that, because when the neuron has to produce an action potential, this will be very useful. So now we see the neuron, how it changes the memory potential, how the neuron changes that resting memory potential. It changes if, one, the concentration of ions across the membrane change, or the permeability to the membrane, uh, the, the memory permeability changes. Now this, these two events may cause the two types of signals that we're going to study. One of them is called graded potentials. And the second is called action potential. What is a graded potential? A graded potential is a change of the memory potential that will work for a short period of time and it will spread along the membrane for a short distance. That's the name graded. It's a small amount of electricity that is generated, but 
it lasts for a short time and it spreads a short distance from the point of origin. An action potential, action potential is a signal, is electricity that is produced, but it will last and it will travel a long distance. The action potential is actually the signal, the messages that the neurons use to send orders. An action potential is produced in the membrane of the neurons on my cortex, and that signal will travel long distance to the spinal cord and then to, from the spinal cord to the muscle of my leg to move the muscle of the leg. That's what an action potential is. Now, there are two terms that we're going to use to describe the different changes of the membrane potential. First term is depolarization. Remember we said the, the cell is polarized when we say resting membrane potential minus 70 millivolts. So depolarization, we call depolarization when the membrane, when there's a decrease in the membrane potential, meaning that it moves towards zero. Remember, it's minus 70. If that changes to minus 50, minus 40, we say that cell is depolarizing. Or in other words, we can say it. inside of the membrane is becoming less negative. Because minus 50 is less negative than minus 70. And this is how graded potentials are produced, action potentials are produced by depolarization, when the membrane potential changes in this way. The second term is called hyperpolarization, which is an increase in the membrane potential. It gets away from zero. It turns more negative. From minus 70, let's say, to minus 90 or minus 100. It's turning more negative. And if the cell hyperpolarizes, there is less probability for production of action potentials or graded potentials. In other words, the hyperpolarized neuron is hard to stimulate. In a graph, that's how we see depolarization and hyperpolarization. Depolarization, the resting potential is minus 70. We see that in the graph. But then we see, we measure this with this instrument, we can record a graph, and we see a line at the minus 70 value. But then we see how this line rises, and it's getting to, let's say, minus 60 here at the level of minus 60, approximately. So it's changing from minus 70 to minus 60. It's getting less negative. It's moving towards zero. And in the graph, we see the curve rising. 
That's called depolarization. In the other way, the other side, we see hyperpolarization. From minus 70, the curve is going lower, probably to minus 80. So it's getting more negative. It's moving away from zero. That is called hyperpolarization. And in this condition, hyperpolarization, the cell, the neuron, is hard to get stimulated. We'll see why. So let's start now with the graded potentials. By definition, graded potential is short duration, localized change in the membrane potential. If the stimulus is stronger, any type of stimulus, maybe mechanical, chemical, or, or voltage, more voltage changes and the farther the current flows. So the stronger the stimulus, there will be more change in value and it will spread for longer distances. But in any way, it will fade and will disappear. It's a greater potential. It won't last long. And we've seen in the previous graph, usually it's a depolarization of the membrane. But sometimes maybe a hyperpolarization, depending on the type of stimulus. And can be also named according to where, where it is produced and what is their function. Like, we have a, a term receptor potential or generator potential. Those are greater potentials that happen in the receptors, the sensory receptors. Like I was saying, if you press your skin and squeeze your fingers, well, you are compressing the nerves. You are mechanically stimulating the receptors. And that is producing greater potentials in the membrane of the receptors. Postsynaptic potential is a greater potential that happens in a neuron when it receives message from other through a synapsis. That's why it's called postsynaptic. Well, we'll see that in the next lecture, how this postsynaptic potential happens. But all of them are greater potentials. The concept is short-lived, short distance, and it will disappear afterwards. In the graph we can see this, a stimulus, in this case is a mechanical stimulus, that is, we just poke in the membrane, and you see how it changes, the negative turns into positive inside the cell, from being negative it turns positive, right at the place of the stimulus. And then, that stimulus starts spreading to the next areas of the membrane. And now, there was only one sign that changed. Now we have three signs. That's a sign that is spreading in both directions. It's a localized, short-lived, uh, short distance.
So this current, this flow of electricity will fade, will dissipate quickly, and uh, will be traveling only short distances, only short distances. This happens all the time. This happens all the time, especially on the receptors of the skin, and that's how the neurons receive information and process that information partially before a response is sent or something happens in the neurons. And in a graph, complete graph, we can see uh, greater potential happening here, going to the rise, uh, the, the curve is rising, but then it fades and dissipates, the voltage declines and returns to membrane resin potential. Very quick, and it travels a few millimeters. And the action potentials. The action potentials is different because this is the way that the neurons will communicate to each other. These are what we call the electrical impulse or nerve impulse. It is defined as an action potential. So first thing is that the action potential travels long distances. It travels long distances. And it is only happening, it only happens in neurons and in muscle cells. Action potentials only happen in these two types of cells, muscle cells and neurons. They do not decay, they do not fade, they continue and they travel long distances. Nerve impulse is another name for that. And this is a more complex process. It involves different steps, phases, and a sequence of events that happens in the membrane. And it's related to voltage-gated channels. Voltage-gated channels of sodium and potassium. We'll get to the details of the action potentials after the break. Let's take a break of 10 minutes.